0: Our New Testament reading this morning are the Beatitudes, found in Matthew 5, verses 1 through 12, and they can be found on page three in your pew Bible in the New Testament. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak, and he taught them, saying, rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you this is the word of the lord thanks be to god
1: let us turn now to the reading from revelation chapter 7 and here these words of john who has received a vision While he is in exile, exiled by the Roman Empire, he receives a vision of what is to come. After this, I looked and there was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, singing, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these, robed in white, and where have they come from? I said to him, Sir, you are the one that knows. Then he said to me, These are they who have come out of the great ordeal. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. For this reason they are before the throne of God and worship him day and night within his temple. And the one who is seated on the throne will shelter them. They will hunger no more and thirst no more no more. The sun will not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of the water of life. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes." This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Oh Lord, to speak of the great mystery of what is to come. It's beyond human ability. Send your spirit, we pray, and help us to see and hear what you want us to know. Through human words and in human hearts and minds. We ask it in the name of the one who comes. Amen. There's a question in the PCUSA, Presbyterian Church USA study catechism. It's number quest question number 67 in the version used for confirmation classes and number 88 in the version written for adult learners a question that often makes confirmands chuckle i confess it has made me chuckle too and i have delighted over the years in showing young people that our study catechism actually asks this question the question is won't heaven be a boring place Maybe it's a question you relate to, too, perhaps even chuckle at. Maybe you wonder what you possibly could do in heaven that will in any way compare to an Eagles or Penn State football game or a walk in a sun-dappled autumn wood. The question calls to mind the story of the prosperous Polish doctor who one day encountered his rabbi in the marketplace. The rabbi, a charismatic character, grasped the doctor's arm and cried ecstatically, just think, Chaim, the Messiah is coming soon. The younger man paled, shrank back at the words. God forbid, he cried. I have finally built up a good medical practice. My wife and I have just moved into a new house and our children are in excellent schools. When Messiah comes, we shall have to give up all of this and move to Jerusalem. Won't heaven be a boring place? But after spending time dwelling in John's vision of heaven this week, I'm feeling rather sheepish about the way I have glibly asked and taught this question. It seems to me now that this question, won't be heaven be a boring place? is a question of the privileged. A question that only people of privilege would ask. It is a a question that would occur only to people who have not come through a great ordeal, come out of a great tribulation. It is a question that would occur only to people who have never known what it is to be truly hungry, never felt the whip, and the lash under the desert sun. Never had to seek shelter from the dangers of the elements or the cruelty of neighbors or the grinding gears of an injustice which makes them afraid. Can you picture a laborer standing in the fields of a ruined crop in the midst of drought or famine or flood Can you picture a child born in a refugee tent, a tent so flimsy that when the rains come her father stands through the storm to hold the tent pole upright. A person of color who rises daily expecting that he or his children will be threatened or scorned at some point during the day. Can you imagine any of these people, upon hearing of an existence in which they will hunger no more, in which the sun will not strike them nor anything else, and realm in which they will live safe and sheltered under the protection of the very one who rules on the throne, do you think any of them, upon hearing these verses, would ask, is that all Won't that be boring? I doubt these white-robed ones whom Jesus sees washed clean of the wounds and terrors and layers of filth which clung to them like skins. I doubt they have any questions at all. Who are these? You know them. These are the poor in spirit the men and women, and yes, the children who lived with a longing for God. They lived knowing that they were not complete and could not survive without God. These are the ones who mourned. They mourned because they loved, and love suffers. Love grieves in a broken, fallen world. These are the meek ones who did not promote themselves or seek their own advantage, but sought only to surrender to God. These are the ones who hungered and thirsted for justice and the righteous ways of God and worked for them like they worked for food and drink. These are the merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers who put themselves between enemies and paid a price to make shalom, wholeness, well being for all people. Who are these white robed ones? They are immigrants, immigrants to the realm of God. They have endured deprivation, disease, shame. Sorrow, loss in the land of their birth in this earthly realm. Yet they dreamt and sought and sacrificed for a far-off kingdom, God's commonwealth. They have traveled a great distance, traversed turbulent seas, left behind their old land and crossed the border into a new country where they hunger no more. And thirst no more. For the Lamb at the center of the throne has met them there and shepherds them to springs of the waters of eternal living life, and He holds them safe. Ah, the relief, the relief they must feel, and the unspeakable gratitude. For at last they have made it to the country of heaven and they have entered that awesome presence of the one they sought who reigns. They reach for the language of their former land to try to speak of the splendor of the new. They speak of jasper and emeralds, carnelian and gold shining with the radiance of the sun, But these mortal words of time and space are meager attempts to express the unexpressible. One gesture, one gesture, says more than all the words humans can muster. One stroke speaks everything that you and I need to know about this far country towards which we are journeying the almighty one on the throne reaches down and with a gesture both tender and intimate wipes the tears from their eyes they are Home. Boring? I suspect that is no longer a word in their vocabulary. I suspect that these are the only words they need in this new land to which they have come at last. Blessing and glory and wisdom. And thanksgiving and honor and praise be unto God forever and ever and ever and ever. Amen. Let us pray. Thank you. That there is more, and they have made it, and you are with us as we journey towards that day. Amen.